Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Switch to Spectrum Mobile and get unlimited data for only $29.99 per month each when you get two or more lines. You could save hundreds on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Click to try the Spectrum Mobile Savings Calculator, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save. Visit SpectrumMobile.com save. Offer valid for new customers on two or more unlimited lines. Spectrum Internet required. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com for details. God is bringing us to a place where we stop trusting in everything and everyone other than God. And there's a verse in Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that the Lord has been using to speak to my heart. And it says, we have this sentence of death in ourselves that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God that raises the dead. Everything that's been going on, I mean, we can say the economy is it God. No, 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 man messed up the economy. But, but understand this, that God is using all of these things to show us we can't trust in man. We can't trust in ourselves. We've got to trust in him unreservedly. And I really believe that when we get to that place, we're going to move into what I call the resurrection realm. Where we move into a place where it's no longer about just doing things for God. How many know we can't do anything for God? There's nothing we can do that would please God. Because all of our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. But what we are called to do is to abide in him to work in him it's, so it's not what we do for God but it's what we do in God it's what we do through God now ultimately it glorifies his name but we have to do it in him so we need to come back to that place I believe where God and that's where God is bringing us where we trust in him with all of our hearts with all of our being and I want to tell you when we do when we get to that place and this is Christianity 101 unfortunately some of us aren't there yet we need to get to that place, and we're going to see God do awesome things. Awesome things. I can tell you many, many stories. You want me to tell you a couple quick ones? Yeah. All right. Just ministering back in January over in the Space Coast in Florida at a church, pastor's wife ends up coming forward. She says, I'm, I've got cancer. I'm dying. We lay hands on her. The Holy Spirit says, rebuke the spirit of death. Rebuke the spirit of death. That night... She goes home, she sleeps the whole night, she gets up, and she eats. She hadn't eaten anything. She was actually going through chemo treatments at the time. She hadn't eaten anything for eight days. She eats. She regains her strength. The next day, she eats again. She's, and she's eating two to three meals a day during the entire time that we're ministering there. She begins to feel strength coming back into her body. She actually makes a decision that she's going to, she will no longer continue her treatments. Now, no one told her to do that. I didn't tell her that. Her husband didn't tell her that. No one told her to do that. She said, I'm going to do this. I feel that God wants me to do this. Let me tell you that she just went to the doctors and they ran the tests on her. And she has a total clean bill of health. No cancer in her body. Completely healed. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I, I, can, tell, I can tell you so many sweet things that God is doing. But we're living in a time where, where God is doing incredible things. Actually, we were just in New England um, a week ago. And uh, I actually snuck up into Canada while I was there. It was cold. There was snow on the ground. I'm telling you. I was surprised. I was up in the northern part of Maine. And uh, we, we, people are hungry. You know that all over? We have, people are inviting us. In fact, when I was walking in the door here today, I had a phone call from someone in Wichita, Kansas, 
And this lady said, there are several African-American churches. We, we want you to come to Wichita, and, and we want to see a revival. We need a revival in our churches and our personal lives in the city. And so they've asked me to come in. And this is what's happening all over. God is putting this incredible appetite in people to see his glory and his power. And, and when we were up in Maine, I mean, God just did an awesome thing. And it wasn't in a church. It was just a group of people that wanted us to come up. And so we did. And one thing that happened there was a, uh, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for a woman who was crippled. So you have constant pain in your legs. You can't stand. You can't walk. God is saying you're healed right now. Well, she, she ended up, um, she came forward later on and I prayed for her. And she said, pray for my back as well. And uh, we, we just left her, we just believed it, had faith, but we just got an email. She said that she's completely, totally healed. Totally healed. No more pain. She can walk without any type of, of, of help or assistance. She's completely healed. There was another woman there. God said that she was in major depression and that four years ago, her son had done something that brought her to that place of, of depression. And I said to her that right now, the Holy Spirit is saying to you that if you will just stick it out through this entire weekend god is going to transform your life he's going to he's going to just lift this depression from you and you're going to walk in liberty the one of the the ladies at the conference who had actually coordinated it came to me after the service and she said that woman that you spoke with she said everything you said is 100 percent true because she said i'm a counselor i know what's going on she said and when you told her that, when you spoke God's word over her, she said that a fire began to burn within her, even as the word was being spoken. God has completely set this woman free of clinical depression. She's completely free. Now, some of us don't think that's a big deal. But if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. How do you many know that Jesus died not just to forgive you of your sins, but to make you whole, spirit, soul, and body in every way. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise be to his name. The title, the, the ministry that God has entrusted to is we call it Awake Nations. Our website is awakenations.org. We've got some product out there. We've got a CD on Dominion Destiny, um, the set time. We've got some DVDs, The God That Answers by Fire. Um, we're out of a lot of resources, but we have a four-part teaching series on what I call apostolic governed churches. It talks about the restoration of David's fallen tabernacle. That is much more than the restoration of praise and worship. It includes so much more than that. And we go through that teaching, help you to understand it. Go by our table. You can sign up to be on our newsletter. Um, if you'd like to, we'd appreciate it very much. All right, take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew 24, please. Matthew 24. Can I get I'm going to speak tonight about what I call kingdom credentials. Kingdom credentials. Matthew 24. <clears throat> you feel like standing just for the reading of the word? Let's do it. Matthew 24, starting at verse number 3. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and the Bible says that his disciples came to him privately, saying, tell us, when will these things be? And here's the specific question we focus on. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. Now notice this. For all these things must come to pass, but what? The end is what? The end is not yet. Notice that. Then he says, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are what? The beginning of sorrows, then they will deliver you to tribulation, kill you, be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness or iniquity abounding, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end, what? The same shall be saved. Now look at this, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then what and then what and then the end will come you may be seated then the end will come 
Now, if there is an entire verse in Scripture that really summarizes and encapsulates the mission of our ministry, it's Matthew 24, 14. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world to every nation. That's every ethnic group. Not just every country or every region, but every ethnic group. And he says, and once that happens, then the end will come. Now, over in 2 Peter chapter 3, there's a profound statement made there in verse number 12. It says that we are to be looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Did you hear that? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Some modern translations say looking for and hurrying along the coming of the day of God. Looking for, and one translation says, speeding up the coming of the day of God. Hallelujah. We can hurry, we can speed up, we can hasten the coming of the day of God. How do we do that? This gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. That is the one sign that Jesus says will definitely precede and facilitate the end of the age and his return. Now, I'm not going to get into whether you're, you know, pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib. That's not my message tonight. But what I am saying is that we have a responsibility, church. We do have a responsibility. Many of us are just sitting here rapture ready, but Jesus is saying there is an entire world out there. There are many nations, there are many regions that need to hear the gospel of the kingdom. In fact, there are people even in your own neighborhood that don't understand the gospel. And we need to bring, bring it to a place where we recognize that the scripture teaches that there is another gospel that is being espoused in the land. Paul said there is a gospel that is being preached that is not a true gospel. They preach of a Jesus that is not the true Jesus. Now, what we're talking about here is the gospel of what? The gospel of the kingdom. Now, here's where we've missed it in many places. The kingdom of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, is not in word, it's not in logos, but it's in power, it's in dunamis. Now, the kingdom of God is not just a slick message on a Sunday morning. The kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom is not just an eloquent orator just generating some type of message to a people. What we're dealing with here is the same gospel that Jesus preached. Matthew 4, 23 says that when he started his ministry, he went around healing the sick, teaching the people, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew 10, 7 and 8, he told the 12, he said, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said what? Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, drive out demons, raise the dead. Now, he did not say pray for the sick, pray for the demonized. He said, heal the sick, drive out the demons. It is a commandment even to raise the dead. Now, he would never command us to do something that we're incapable of doing. He gives us the resources and the authority from heaven to be able to do what he summoned us to do. So it's the gospel of the kingdom that must be preached to all the nations of the world. Let me show it to you, break it down a little bit further. Luke chapter 8 verse 1 says that when Jesus showed up, he went around every village teaching in their synagogues. And not only did he teach in the synagogues, but he actually preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now listen to this, Luke chapter 8 verse 1. Came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, listen to this, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, how many of you have an NIV, a nearly inspired version? All right, I'm just kidding. 
Let me tell you, unfortunately, when you read the NIV, it does not bring that out. The old King James puts it this way. Preaching and shooing the gospel of the kingdom. Now, what does shooing mean? Showing. Demonstrating. The, the new King James, which I'm reading from tonight, says preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the gospel of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Preaching and bringing. Don't miss it. Jesus not only spoke about the kingdom, but he carried the kingdom to the people. Everywhere Jesus went, he healed the sick, he cast out demons, he performed miracles, as well as preached a message known as the kingdom. Everywhere he went. There was a time when John the Baptist had been locked up in prison. You know the story. And here he, here he is in jail and he begins to doubt. Jesus, I wonder, is he really the coming one? Is he the Christ? Is he the Messiah? Perhaps he's not really the true, guy, the true deal after all. So he sends messengers to Jesus. Are you the Christ? Are you the one that we should expect? And Jesus says, go and tell John the things that you both hear and see. The show and tell gospel. The things that you both hear or see and hear. And he begins to speak about the lame walking, the blind receiving their sight, the deaf ears being unstopped, the dead being raised, and he then says, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. He speaks of five tangible demonstrations of the power of God, and there's only one reference to the preaching of the word. Now, if we want to see revival in America, if we want to see things change socially and, and morally in the nation, it's not going to happen through, through economic reform or political reform or social reform. It will happen only through the church waking up and coming to that place where we recognize that we have the power to be able to change our nation. We have the power to be able to change the nation. You see, when God created you and I, when he created humankind, going back to Genesis 1.28, what did he say? He said to fill the earth, but he said what? To have dominion. He said, I want you to subdue. I want you to have dominion over everything that was created. How many know that the devil was a created being? Over everything that was created. Psalm 8, verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you put all things under his feet. Now, in the Hebrew language, the word all things means all things. <laughs> Profound, isn't it? Everything. Without exception, God says, I put... I've given to man the ability that all things are literally put under his feet. Everything. Everything, without exception, put under his feet. Psalm 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, but the earth is given to the children of men. Some of us say, why is the world such a mess? You know, they say, hey, if, if God is such a good God and if he's such a loving and benevolent God, why is our world in such a mess? Why do we have so many catastrophes? The reason is that God has put all things under our feet and we've messed it up. He's going to come and one day he's going to redeem it all. But he said, look, it, I give it to you. The heaven, even the heavens, in other words, the highest heavens are mine. But the earth I've given to the sons of men. I've given you the rule. I've given you the superintendentship. I've given you literally the dominion, the authority to rule on this earth. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, there were two things that were forfeited. First of all, authority or dominion. Secondly, glory. Now, when they sinned, they lost their spiritual authority. We know that. The Bible says that Adam and Eve were, were created in, in the image of God. It also says in 1 Corinthians eleven seven 7, that they were created in his glory. Psalm 8, 5 says that, that man was crowned with glory and honor. Now, the word crown literally means to be covered. It doesn't speak of a crown in the sense of what we would think, putting on someone's head. But it literally means to be enveloped. Man was enveloped. Now, with the glory of God. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing that happens is they forfeit or they relinquish the ownership of the earth, the title deed of the earth to the devil. At that point, Satan becomes known as what? The God of this world. Second Corinthians calls him that. 
Also in John, he's called the prince or the ruler of this world. Interestingly, both Greek words are used, cosmos and aeon. So he's saying that he is the, he is the ruler of this system that is under the control, uh, that is literally marred by sin. And so he rules. But what happens is, because of sin, because of of that we forfeit our authority, but not only that, we lost our glory. Adam and Eve were crowned. They were literally enveloped with glory. What does that mean? When they were in the garden, how many remember that they didn't wear any clothes? But after they sinned, all of a sudden they recognize what? They are naked. Why? Because they lost their glory covering. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. They lost their glory covering. When Jesus goes up to that Mount of Transfiguration, and there he is, and the Bible says that his face is shining ex exceedingly bright, and even his clothes are resplendent. Do you recognize what was happening there? Jesus was called what? The second Adam. He was the second Adam. He didn't just come to die on the cross for us. That's, that's the most important thing, without exception. No, I mean, we, we can't even question that. But he came also to exemplify, to demonstrate the life that we were called to live. He came literally to model the overcoming life and to show us that we were created to walk in the same power and victory and dominion that he exercised when he was on the earth. So there he is, he's up on that mountain, he's transfigured, and it is my personal conviction that what was happening there is he was showing, he was tangibly demonstrating to humankind what Adam and Eve looked like in the garden before sin. Now, when we get to that place where we recognize that we've been called to walk in authority and we've been called to share, to share his glory... But we forfeited it all. But Jesus came, according to Luke 19.10, to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, here's, here's my twist on that verse. He came to seek and to save not those or them, but that. And he's not talking about those that are lost. He said that which was lost, pointing back to something that happened. I believe that what he came to do is he came to restore to us that which was lost, namely the authority and the glory. Oh, hallelujah. So Jesus shows up, and I mean, man, he's not even out of the gate yet. And, and he's in the wilderness, and the devil has got him pegged. The devil is like, Jesus, I know why you've come. I know why you're here. Let's make a deal. So he takes them up into a high mountain. He shows them all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Don't tell me that Satan doesn't have power. Shows them all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I mean, we're talking about before GPS, before Google Earth. And, and Jesus sees it all. And now here's what the devil says. The devil says, all this authority I will give you. And they're what? Glory. Did you hear that? He speaks about authority and he speaks of glory. He says, for this has been delivered to me. The word delivered there is a term that literally means to receive through a legal process. He's saying that it belongs to me, it's been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Now, Jesus, I know why you've come. You've come to seek and to save that which was lost. You've come to restore the glory and the authority that was forfeited by humankind. Now, Jesus, I know that's what you want, so let's make a deal. Forget the cross. Forget the Garden of Gethsemane. Forget, the, you know, all the pain and the suffering and the anguish. Bow down and worship me and I'll give it to you. Jesus understood that such a, entering into such an agreement or contract would not be legally binding. Because without the shedding of blood, 
there's no remission of sins. Amen? So Jesus will not and does not agree to the devil's deal. He says, Satan, get behind me. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So Jesus goes to the cross. The Bible says that when he rose again, and this is, to me, is the most profound scripture verse in the entire Bible. When he rose again, he appeared to his disciples. Matthew 28, verse 18. And he says, are you ready? All power, all exousia, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. Not until he rose again from the dead could he say that. <laughs> But now, he says, all authority, all power. Where? In heaven? In the heavens? And where? On the earth. It's all mine. Hallelujah. Paul said that God the Father raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church to the church <laughs> now listen it says over in Romans 16, verse 20, that the, that the God of peace shall crush Satan shortly under your feet. Now let me ask you a question. Do feet, are they part of the, the, the body or the head? You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The body. The body. You see, feet aren't attached to the head. Feet are part of the body. We are the body. He is the head. We're going around saying, God, when are you going to do something? He did it all. He did everything that he needed to do. His final words are, it is finished. Man, if you, you, some of us weeks go around saying, well, I'm just waiting for God to bless me. You have been deceived. You've already, he's already blessed you. He's already done it. Ephesians 1 3 says that, that he has hath blessed us with all he says with all spiritual blessings. He hath blessed us. 2 Peter 1 3 says he hath given unto us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Some of us are crying out for revival, some of us are crying out for healing. Let me tell you that those things are just a drop in a bucket compared to all spiritual blessings. We've received it all. It's ours. Absolutely nothing that can stop us from receiving God's will for our lives. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> now, under his feet. When you get to that place where you recognize what your kingdom credentials are, that you've been called to deliver the kingdom of God to the world, not just talk about it, but deliver it. That brings you to a place now where all of a sudden things get very exciting in your life. Because this is a revelation that the devil does not want you to receive. But how many know that revelation without manifestation is nothing? There must be a corresponding demonstration. The gospel of the kingdom is not to be just come in proclamation, but with demonstration. Not just in word, but with works. So the Bible says that Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. 1 John 2, 6 says, If anyone says he abides in him, let him walk even as he himself walked. Hmm? 
What's that mean? Do what Jesus did. The works that I do shall you do also, and even, what? Greater works, because I go to my Father. Huh. Now, come on, man. If, if you did not see that in the Bible, and some pastor got up, some evangelist, apostle, prophet got up and preached that, what would you think? Jesus said you're going to do greater works than him. Oh, we, we, we tried, right our bonky has preached to more people than Jesus did, more people than Paul has preached to, than Peter preached to. Can you imagine? Some of the things that, that have, happened, have happened in recent times are happening right now. Transcend even the biblical miracles. Just because we don't necessarily see them here to the same measure or degree that they're happening in other places doesn't mean that it's not occurring. It is happening. God is faithful. He said he will do this. He will pour out his spirit in the last days in all flesh. He said he would do it. Now, here's what I want you to understand, that the, the authority is in the glory. Authority is in the glory. Psalm 97 verse 5 says, The hills melt as wax at the presence of the Lord. Now, the hills there can literally be, can, can be translated or speak of a literal hill, mountain, but it also can speak of figuratively of a mountain, of opposition, of something that would try to prevent you, impede you from moving forward into God's will. And so the hills, what do they melt in? They melt as wax, where? At the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord. So when we get to that place where we begin to walk so closely with God that we begin to carry his presence, when we speak a word, things come to pass. <laughs> it isn't just a magic formula. It's not just saying, in the name of Jesus. Because that term, in the name of Jesus, means in the authority of Jesus. It's not just some cliche. It's not, it's not just some verbal formula that you pronounce. But you see, in Acts 19, there is a man who, who hears about, you know, this, actually there's seven sons of Sceva. And the Bible says that they hear about Paul and how Paul was going around casting devils out of people and, and healing the sick. And they said, you know what, that sounds good. Let's try it. And so they walked up to, to this man that was demonized and they, they said, he said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out of him. What happened was the demon-possessed man jumped on this guy. And they, I, I mean, man, I'm telling you, on these seven guys, left with seven brand new suits. <laughs> and, and what the demon's response, remember? Paul, we know. And Jesus, we know. I mean, hell trembled when Paul showed up in a city. Can you imagine? Hell trembled. It wasn't, it wasn't just in, because of Jesus. Um, we're not talking about just when Jesus was on the earth. The Bible says, Paul, I know. We know who Paul is. Paul is known in hell. Man. The Bible says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But we miss the latter part of the verse. According to the power that worketh in us. In us. That's the way God does it. And so the authority is in the glory. And when we get to that place where we learn to abide in him, where we learn to walk in the glory and exercise the glory, when we become a glory carrier, then every obstacle, every satanic form of opposition will melt as wax. Now, now, I tell you, it, it's not yelling, it's not screaming per se that's going to do it. It's getting to a place where you have such a vital relationship with God that you carry His glory. Oh, <laughs> I want to tell you that, that one of the things God showed me several years ago is He said, you are a glory carrier, and wherever you go, miracles will happen. Now, let me ask you a question. How many would be thrilled if every Sunday four, five, six people were healed in your service. That'd be, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? 
That was a bad day for Jesus. That was just a bad, pitiful day for Jesus. The Bible says that when he went to Nazareth, Matthew says he did not do any mighty works there. He did not do any dunamis there. Mark says he could not do any mighty works there. But he healed a few sick folk. He healed a few sick folk. So on a bad day for Jesus, a few sick folk got healed. Mighty works. Now that's another level. That's another level altogether now we're talking about. The Bible says that Peter was so full of the glory of God that his shadow healed the sick. Can you imagine? I don't know what was going on in Peter's life. I know he was a busy man. It was like people are saying, you know what? We can never book an appointment to see Peter. But we know every day at noon he walks down this street and he goes to Starbucks. And so when he's going to Starbucks, when he's doing his Starbucks drive, we're going we're gonna to wait for him. And, and we'll bring the sick, and we'll bring the demonized, and we'll lay them on the sidewalks. And perhaps if his shadow would fall, we'll be healed. Then the scripture actually says that a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities as well. Now we're talking about, now it's, it's going countywide. Now we're talking about the suburbs. And they're beginning to gather there. And the Bible says that they brought sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And they were all healed by the dude's shadow. By his shadow. <laughs> Man, Paul was a glory carrier as well, honey. So full, the Bible says in Acts 19 that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. That means extraordinary miracles. Now, to me, a miracle is extraordinary. But God uses, God actually uses that term to describe that these are over-the-top kind of miracles. Now, these are phenomenal miracles. These are unprecedented miracles. And the scripture says that they brought handkerchiefs or aprons and they were brought from his body to the sick and diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. <laughs> I have a friend that was ministering in Kiev, Ukraine a few years ago. And he has, a, he has a ministry that focuses on the supernatural, which I believe we all should. And what happened was he was ministering and many people were being healed and, and demonized people were being set free and God was moving in a powerful way. And what happened was the, this three or four day crusade was over and people found out where he was staying. He was actually staying in an apartment with a family. And they showed up, knocked on the door, said, can we see the man of God? Would you, would you ask the man of God if he'd lay hands on us? We need healing. And the woman and man of the house said, no, 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 leave the man of God alone. You, you could have came out and, and, you know, you missed your opportunity. He's, he's resting. He's, he's going to be leaving. He's getting on a plane. Leave the man of God alone. They persisted. Finally, they said, look it. All right, we won't wake up the man of God. We'll allow him to sleep. But can you give us an article of his clothing? How about if we come back and, and you know what, just open the door and, and just let us touch his jacket. Let us touch his shoes. So about an hour later, they came back, the knock on the door. They opened up the door and they looked down the hallway and there were several hundred people. <laughs> and what takes place is... They, they begin to open the apartment door, and people are walking in, and I mean, they're taking the man of God's jacket. I mean, they're taking his jacket, and they're putting it on, and they're getting healed of cancer. Demons are coming out of them. People are, are stepping into his shoes and being healed of terminal diseases. You think what, that's crazy. It's not crazy. It's in the Bible. That's normal. You're crazy. That's normal Christianity. And if the church would ever get normal, the world would really think we're crazy. 
Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, praise be to his name. I was ministering in Jamaica not too long ago, and we had a tent set up, and people were coming out. And, you know, it's always interesting. The first time you go to a church, I love doing several nights in a row because that's when things bust loose. But the first night, someplace, it's not here, people just kind of look at you, check you out. Quiet. You know what? That's what it was like there. I went to an area where, man, I'm telling you, there weren't any white people at all. I was in the interior. And as I began to, to minister that night, the Holy Spirit began to give words of knowledge and signs and wonders began to happen. And people came forward in response to words of knowledge. They were being healed. Now, one woman was carried forward. She had a disease called sickle cell anemia. Her legs were twisted backwards. She couldn't walk. She was a young woman, probably about 22 years of age, 23. And she was carried forward by these two sisters. And we laid hands on her and said, In the name of Jesus, be made whole. And her legs went pop, straightened right out in front of everybody. And she began to dance across the platform, rejoicing and worshiping God. Now, how many know that word, when word gets out, what happens? The next day, the pastor, he's like freaking out because he's getting all these phone calls about hundreds of people are going to be showing up. So he's telling his guys, we got to make, you know, we got to lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes. We got to put up a bigger tent here because people are going to be showing up. The next night, hundreds of more people showed up and listen to this. They started bringing people from the hospital. Now, I read about that. I heard about John G. Lake and Amy Semple McPherson experiencing these kind of things and others, but I had never witnessed it before. They brought a young man in, in, a, in a minivan that couldn't even walk, and I mean, before the service started, he was totally healed. Now, you know what bothered me? He didn't even go to the service. He went and played basketball all night. If I was God, I would have struck him with... Go sin, go sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. <laughs> then he brought a young man who couldn't breathe on a respirator. God instantly healed him. Listen, it doesn't matter what you're going through. I was ministering in Canada not too long ago. Woman showed up, totally crippled. 12, 13 years she was in the condition. Came forward, said, I, I need healed in my body. Laid hands on her. Nothing extraordinary happened. She didn't fall even. How many know that you can't be healed if you don't fall out? <laughs> she lay, she, 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 we, you know, she went, she sat down in her seat. And she had like a walker with her and continuing to praise and worship God. And the next thing I know, she says, Pastor Glenn, Pastor Glenn, notice anything different about me? And I'm like, what? She's running around. I didn't even catch it. I'm like, what? She says, I'm healed. No more pain. She takes her cell phone out and calls her husband, who's about 2,000 miles away, then calls her son, who's a youth pastor in Seattle, and says, I'm healed. She had been incapacitated for 13 years. In a matter of a few moments, she was completely healed. Guess what she did after the service that day? She went to Niagara Falls without any help and walked around Niagara Falls for over four hours. Her testimony is, in, is, in, is on our website and so on. But listen, I want to tell you, God is an awesome God. He wants to do great things. You've been created to carry his glory. You've been created to carry his glory. And we talk about it. We talk about it. Many of us believe it. But it's time we start living it out. It's time we begin to demonstrate it. I want to close with the story of a friend... It's a short guy from Singapore. I shouldn't say that. Right? Short people. That's not nice. My wife told me, she said, don't tell him. Sell him. I tell the story and she says, don't say he was a short man. He was a tiny man. He was a petite man. The dude was short. <laughs> and he's just a wonderful brother. 
His name is Pastor William Chin. Lives in Singapore. He was ministering in Indonesia. Preaching the gospel, people were getting saved in an area that's predominantly Muslim. And what happened was one of the local authorities summoned for him and warned him, said, you've got to stop preaching, you need to leave. If you don't, we're going to do something. He got really upset, distressed, and he said, no, I don't want to leave. And the people advised him, no, 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 this guy's powerful. He'll have you thrown in jail. He'll have you beaten. Don't, don't mess with him. Pastor William got on the plane, flew back to Singapore. One night while he was praying shortly after this, he began to really feel, you know, a sense of, of, of disgrace and, because he has been defeated. You know, the enemy had, had won the battle and began to cry out to God, 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 do something about this. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, go back to Indonesia. And he said, Lord, what do, I, what, what do you want me to do? He said, go to that man's home. He gets on the plane and he flies to Indonesia. He ends up finding out where the man lives, goes to his home, knocks on the door, asks for him. He shows up and he says to him, Jesus told me to tell you that he wants to be Lord of Indonesia. And this man, uh, he came unglued. He said, listen, I warned you to leave this place, never come back. Don't talk to me about Jesus. Pastor Williams like, oh God, what do I do now? And the Holy Spirit said, ask him if he has a kidney condition. He looks at him, he says, sir, let me ask you a question. Do you, have, do you have kidney disease? Do you have a condition with your kidneys? And the man says, I do. How did you know? He said, because God told me. The Holy Spirit told me. Jesus told me. And he said, well, I want to make, I want to make a deal with you, Pastor William said. He said, listen, I believe that Jesus can heal you. And I believe that Jesus will heal you. And I'm so convinced that Jesus will heal you that if he does not heal you, I will throw my Bible in the fire and I will denounce my Christianity and I will become a Muslim. Now, how many know that's faith? But he said, but if Jesus Christ does heal you, if you are healed in the name of Jesus, you will become a follower of Christ. He said, okay, sounds like a fair deal. Showdown at the okay corral. The God who answers by fire, he's God. Pastor William put his hands on the man and he said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. This man began to shake under the power of God. And I mean, he fell down. He said there was like fire going through his body. He was completely healed. He got up and he began to praise the name of Jesus. Not only did he begin to praise the name of Jesus, he totally turned around his life and he became an evangelist and to this day has started over 1,000 churches in Indonesia. <laughs> the God that answers by fire. Man, I, I was preaching in, in a place in Nigeria not too long ago, and, you know, people came forward to be filled with the Holy Spirit and prayed for this one guy, and he was crying, and he was speaking in tongues. And, and later on, about a week after this, he calls the pastor up, and, I mean, it was a couple of weeks later. He says, Pastor, I want to tell you something happened to me. He said, I was HIV positive. And the pastor said, what? He said, I was HIV positive. And, and he said, and, and when that man laid his hands on me, he said, I felt fire go through my body. And he, he said, and, I, and I've gotten tested. And he said, and the doctor says I'm no longer HIV positive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. There's a God that answers by fire. There is a God who has a kingdom. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion shall never end. He is King of kings and he is Lord of lords over sin, over sickness, over devils, over poverty, over injustice, over corruption. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he does miracles. Hallelujah. I'm going to just turn it over to Pastor. We're going to receive an offering. Let me just share one thing, Pastor, before you come. My wife had a dream. I, want, I, I believe you all need to hear this. 
couple of nights ago, my wife had a dream about this night, about this night right now, and about the offering. Let me tell you about something. Sometimes we give money, we don't think, really. We don't, we don't really understand or, or grasp the significance or the weight of what we're doing. But my wife had a dream, and in the dream, she saw people writing out checks at Ignited Church. And when you were writing out checks, there was fire that was on the pen, and the fire stayed on the check. Now listen, I am not a type of person who's into hyper-manipulation. You don't want to give, don't give. But what I'm saying is that I believe what the Holy Spirit was saying, that at Ignited Church, even your giving is fired up. Do you understand that when you give to ministries that are making a difference, that you're giving and literally causing and fueling the fire of God to go forth and change people's lives? Oh, hallelujah. I never told you this woman that was healed in Canada that was crippled. You know how many of her family members got saved? And a Chinese guy that was totally blind in Canada was healed. His entire family, they owned the Chinese food restaurant in a small community in a French-speaking area. I mean, I think they're the only Chinese people there. The entire family got saved, turned from Buddhism to Jesus Christ when his eyes were opened. Hallelujah. Pastor. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up high towards heaven. Lord, you, you helped us to name this place Ignited. And we lift our hands to you right now. And we ask you right now to forgive us if in any way we have forgotten our assignment. Our assignment is to ignite kingdom life into anyone and everyone, everywhere we go. And right now, fresh and anew, come on, get those hands up high. A fresh and anew, we dedicate these hands to do what Jesus did, to do what the Word says, to have a show and tell gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, open blind eyes, and to declare the kingdom of God has come to this city. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Come on, let's clap our hands above our head to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's do it right now. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah.